Well, you have probably heard this famous sports story before. It takes place in 1961. Uh, the Green Bay Packers are gathered in the locker room for the first day of training camp. And Coach Lombardi, famous legendary Vince Lombardi, is about to address them. He gets all the guys' attention. And they're ready for his beginning of the season razzle-dazzle vision-casting pep talk. And all he does is he grabs a football and he holds it high and he says, Gentlemen, what? This is a football. This is a... Now Max McGee, wide receiver for Green Bay at the time, he laughingly calls out. He goes, Coach, could you slow down? You're going a bit fast. <laughs> the Packers have never been particularly bright. <laughs> so. I'm just saying, okay, just saying. But Lombardi goes on to explain. He says, no, guys, I'm taking you back to the basics. That's what I mean. We're going to talk about blocking and about tackling and passing and running. And evidently, it was a very successful speech because the Packers went on to win the championship game six months later, beating the New York Giants 37-zip. This is before the days of a Super Bowl. In fact, they won the next five uh, out of the next seven years, won five championships. So very, very, very productive speech. And to, today I want to take a page from Coach Lombardi's uh, playbook, as, as much as it pains me to begin with a Packers illustration today. This is a good story to introduce today's vision casting. We're, we're, we're about to launch a new ministry season at Christ Community Church, and we've never done it with a vision weekend before. Oh, the weekend after Labor Day weekend, uh, we, we have often recognized those recommitting themselves to membership, to the mission of our church. We've introduced you to the elders and trustees of our church for the new year, but we've never tied that into a sermon that kind of lays out in Coach Lombardi fashion the basics of where we're headed, what we believe God has in store for us as a church in this new, new ministry season. But today, we start a new tradition. Today, this is the first of what I hope will be many vision weekends to come. Now, I want you to turn with me in your Bible to Joshua chapter 1. Okay, Joshua chapter 1. Again, no razzle-dazzle today, just, just the basics. And my hope is, if you're a regular attender here, when you leave, you're, you're just going to be jacked up about participating as a teammate in what God's doing. And if you're a visitor, if you're a guest with us, you'll leave saying, wow, this is a cool, purpose-driven church. I think I'd like to be part of it. So Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. This vision-casting sermon also launches a new five-week series, a Bible-savvy series in the book of Joshua. Christ Community Church encourages people to read the Bible on a daily basis. We believe this book can transform your life. We believe this is the principal means by which God speaks to us today. This is a really important book, which is why we've put together a four-year reading program, a schedule called the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule that will take you through the entire Bible, if you follow it, every four years, reading just a little bit every day. And we accompany that with a Bible-savvy journal that we have designed that, that will allow you just a little bit of space where you can write down an insight and an application to your life every day when you read God's Word. Uh, our, guest, our best guesstimate is that over 2,000 men, women, children, students 
are, are following that Bible-savvy reading schedule, using a Bible-savvy journal. Some are doing it with a hard copy of the journal. Some are using it electronically. Uh, if you've got a Christ Community Church app, on your phone or your iPad. You could go to, to a, a Bible-savvy link on that app. By the way, over 8,000 uh, downloads have occurred of that app on 8,000 phones and iPads and, and whatever. So it's there at your, your fingertips. Uh, we want to make Bible readers out of you. Now, whenever we begin a Bible-savvy uh, Bible series, which, which we do to reinforce your reading, you know, a couple times a year, we will just dip into wherever the reading schedule is currently, and we'll do four or five weeks in that particular book of the Bible. So we're currently in the book of Joshua. That's why we're dipping in for the next five weeks in, into Joshua. And what, whenever we begin, we begin with context. We want you to know the historical background of the passages we're about to look at. Because the, the more we understand the historical context, the more we're, we're able to make sense of the Bible for our lives, make application, put it into practice in our own lives. So let me give you a little bit of the, the context for, for Joshua. Uh, Joshua is the sixth book of the Bible, okay? Six books in the Old Testament. The first five books were written by Moses. We, we call them the Pentateuch. Pentateuch means five books, okay? So the first five books are by Moses, and, and, and in Jewish circles, the, the first five books are referred to as the Torah. Torah means law, because the first five books contain a lot of God's laws and commandments. But, but book six starts a new section of the Old Testament, a section of 12 historical books, books that trace the history of God's ancient people, Israel. Okay, beginning as they're about to enter the Promised Land, having just escaped slavery, 400 years of slavery in Egypt. So they're perched on the edge of the promised land, and once they enter, they become a nation, and eventually that nation splits into two nations, two kingdoms, north Israel, south Judah, and eventually both of those kingdoms are invaded, they're destroyed, their people are carried away into captivity, and eventually people return from captivity, from exile, to resettle Israel. Hundreds of years of history, all captured in Joshua through Esther, 12 books. So Joshua gets the story going. It's about 1400 B.C. God's people are about to enter the Promised Land. Why is it called the Promised Land? Well, because 600 years earlier, about 2000 B.C., God had promised this bit of real estate to Abraham and his descendants. He said, I'm going to give you this piece of property, and now the promise is about to be fulfilled. And the leader of the pack, the leader of God's people, is a dude named Joshua. So let me give you a little context about Joshua. Uh, Joshua is the central character of the book that bears his name. His name pops up 148 times in the book of Joshua. Okay, but we first come across him, he makes his debut back in the Pentateuch. Uh, as God's people are traveling from Egypt to the Promised Land, they're getting harassed by Amalekite raiders until finally Moses decides to appoint a military leader to fight back, and that leader is Joshua, and Joshua defeats the Amalekites. And so Moses makes him his right-hand man. In fact, as they pass on their way from Egypt to the Promised Land, they stop at a place called Mount Sinai, where Moses goes to the top of the mountain to get the Ten Commandments from God. He takes one person with him, only one, and that's Joshua. 
And when they come down, they continue on to the promised land. When they get to the promised land, Moses chooses 12 spies to go in and check things out. Joshua is one of those 12 spies. And if, if you know the story, only two of the spies bring back a, a positive report. Only two of the spies say, yeah, we can take it. I mean, with God's help, this is ours. The other 10 spies are shaking in their sandals. They go, oh, this is terrible. We're never going to win this battle. Let's go back to Egypt. And they discourage all the people. And God says, okay, okay, you want to go back to Egypt? I'm going to let you wander around in the desert for 40 years until every single naysayer, every chicken-hearted person dies. Now, while they're wandering around for 40 years in the desert, Moses changes Joshua's name. His name had been Hosea, Hebrew for salvation, and Moses changes it to Yeshua. The Lord is salvation. The Lord saves. By the way, what other major character in the Bible goes by the Hebrew name Yeshua? Call it out. Jesus, Yeshua Mashiach, Jesus Messiah. So Joshua's got the same name as Jesus. And just before Moses dies, God commands him to lay his hands on Joshua and commission him to be the next uh, leader of Israel. And so uh, Joshua is now taken over. He's trying to fill some pretty big sandals of Moses. And he's about to lead God's people into the promised land. That's where we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 1. Let me read the opening verses to you. And as I read... There's a word I want you to notice. In fact, I want you to circle it as it pops up two times in your Bible. I'll put special emphasis on it so you won't be able to miss it, okay? After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. What's the important word? Give. Give. God is about to give his people the promised land. Uh, this is a theme that can be traced throughout the book of Joshua. The promised land is a gift. God is giving it to them. However, that does not mean that God's people are to sit around passively waiting to receive this gift. No, they have a responsibility. You know, their responsibility, their mission is to take. Their mission is to take, to take what God gives. God expects some aggressive action on his part. And this also is a repeating theme throughout the book of Joshua. In fact, it pops up a couple of times in this opening chapter. If you're open to Joshua 1, drop down to verse 11. Okay, middle of the verse, Joshua rallies the people and he says to them, three days from now you'll cross the Jordan here to go in and take, circle the word take, and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Okay, God's going to give it, but you've got to take it. Drop down to verse 15. Middle of the verse, half of a sentence I want to read there, it says, until they too have taken... There's the word take, take in possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. So again, God wants to give his people the promised land, but it won't happen unless they take it. You following this? 
Just a side note here, in case you're thinking to yourself, well, that's kind of cruel to the local inhabitants that their land would be taken away from them. You need to know that this is also God's judgment on the Canaanites who are living there because the Bible said they had a reputation for extreme wickedness, for heinous sexual immorality, for child sacrifice. So God wants to give the promised land to his people, but their mission is to take it. So what is the mission of Christ Community Church? What is the promised land that God wants to give us, but which he is waiting for us to take? I don't know if you noticed the sermon title today. The sermon title is, Will We Take What God Gives? Okay, we believe that God has some things in store for us. He wants to give us, but we've got to take it. So what is our mission? What does God want us to take? Well, our mission is to extend the boundaries of Christ's kingdom. Our mission is to take new territory for our king, King Jesus. How do we do this? Well, we don't do it with spears and with swords. We do it with the good news, what the Bible calls the gospel of Jesus. We proclaim far and wide to our friends, our extended family, people we work with and go to school with, the good news that Jesus Christ, God's son, came to earth, died on the cross to take the penalty for sins we should pay. We deserve to pay. And he was raised from the dead, and he has become king. And when you surrender your life to him, you could be forgiven your sins. He could become the king who sits on the throne of your life, giving your life new leadership. This is the message we proclaim. This is the land, the expanded territory that God wants to give Christ Community Church. This is our mission. The question is, will we take it? Will we take what God gives this year? Let me give you three ways in which we hope to do this in our new ministry season, and this is where we get into the vision casting part. Okay, so on this first point, to be mission-minded. Here are three ways we hope that happens this year at Christ Community Church. First, DeKalb Campus is moving this week into their new building. Okay, this week, in fact, let me say to those watching in DeKalb right now, we're with you guys as you celebrate your last service in your current building, that old farm and fleet rental facility, it's going to become history, and they're going to move onto their new property, so next weekend, they'll be, new, uh, they'll be in their new building. I was there two weeks ago, I had lunch with Pastor Paul, and then we, we did a tour, and it is so exciting to see this, this beautiful building right next to the brand new DeKalb High School, and just a mile and a half down the street from NIU. Thousands of high school and college students we're going to have the opportunity to reach with the good news of Jesus Christ. It's exciting to think about it. And, and over the next several weeks, you know, we're, we're going to start next weekend kind of low-key in DeKalb just to get all the kinks out of the system, and we're going to wait a, a month before we have a grand opening on October 14th and 15th. Now, in this next month, let me tell you what's going to be going on there. Okay, we're, we're going to be hanging door hangers throughout the community inviting people to church. And by the way, no matter what campus you attend, if you want to help, if you want to participate getting the word out, we'll let you pass out those door hangers with us. And, and then we're going to be recruiting like crazy. We're going to need all sorts of additional kids' world workers and ushers and greeters and, you know, whatever. So when grand opening comes, we're ready for the people who stream through our doors. 
And the weekend of the grand opening, on Friday night, October 13th, and Saturday the 14th, we're going to do a harvest fest, just a big shebang on our campus there. And we're going to have inflatables and food trucks and local bands performing. And if you're at DeKalb, I hope you'll be involved. And if you're at one of the other campuses, you could volunteer to be involved in whatever way you want, but there's one minimal way you just got to be involved. And that is to pray for what God's going to do. And this is why we launched this ministry season Sunday night, tonight, with an Ignite. One and a quarter hours long at 6 o'clock at each of our campuses. We're going to be celebrating in song. We're going to be raising the roof with worship. But we're going to be pausing a couple of times and praying. Praying for our ministry overall. Praying specifically for our DeKalb campuses launch. So are you mission-minded? Are you mission? Okay, we're going to demonstrate our mission-minded by our willingness to pray for what God's doing. Okay, if we want to take land, if we want to take DeKalb and Sycamore and surrounding area for Christ in this new season, let's get together and pray for it tonight, 6 o'clock. Now, DeKalb, because you're not going to have a building. You're going to be between buildings tonight. We're inviting you to join us in St. Charles. But in, in Blackberry Creek... And in Streamwood Bartlett, you're going to have your own Ignite just as we will in St. Charles. So that's, that's one of the initiatives by which we hope to be uh, mission-minded in the new season. Here's another initiative. Okay, one of the, the ways we hope to take new territory this year at Christ Community Church is by asking every one of our ministries, every one of our departments, every one of our teams to come up with an outreach plan. Now, a little bit of history, Christ Community Church. 33 years ago this month, Sue and I were packing up a U-Haul out on Cape Cod, planning to move to St. Charles and start a church. Okay, 33 years ago. And from the get-go, we knew that there were plenty of churches in the, the community in St. Charles where if you were a committed Christ follower, they would cater to your needs. Okay, so if you're a follower of Jesus and you want a weekend worship service, you want a Bible study, uh, you want a, a youth program for your kids, those churches could provide. But what they weren't providing, at least we couldn't see it at the time, was something for the vast majority of the population, those who were unchurched. You know, many who just, you know, had no interest in Jesus Christ. Uh, others who were spiritually interested, spiritually exploring, but they had given up on the traditional church, seeing it as irrelevant to their lives. And so we began, listen, we began with the mission to reach the unchurched of our community. That was, that was what we were all about. Now, now, over time, what we've discovered over 33 years, that mission keeps slipping off the radar. And that's because we've got a lot of Christ followers to care for. We've got a lot of people to help in their spiritual growth now that they've surrendered their lives to Jesus. And so we've got small groups and we've got ministries galore and weekend services and whatever. But if we're not careful, we lose focus on those who are still on the outside. And so this year at Christ Community Church, we want to make certain that we still got to reach. And so we're asking every one of our ministry teams to come up with their own departmental reach plan. Now, for some of our departments, like, you know, like Kids World, that comes naturally to them. This past summer, Camp Commotion, hundreds of kids came. 29%, almost 30% of the kids who came to Camp Commotion were unchurched. Okay. 
So it comes naturally to kids' world, it comes naturally to student ministries or to community impact, but you know, what about our finance department? <laughs> or what about the elder team of Christ Community Church? Or yeah, what about our community groups? How can we make these outreach programs as well as inreach and growth programs? Let me give you a couple of examples of what we're up to. Okay, one example, FPU. Financial Peace University, Dave Ramsey's course, popular course around the nation where people learn how to retire debt and how to manage their money and so on. We've been teaching FPU for years here at Christ Community Church. In fact, last year, 336 people went through FPU and collectively retired $350,000 of personal debt. So pretty cool. But I want to tell you about something that's even cooler. We're going to add an outreach dimension to FPU. In fact, we've begun to do it already. We've begun to advertise FPU in the community. Hey, you want some help financially? You know, getting your house in order? Uh, last year, a couple of occasions, up to 40% of the people who participated in FPU were, were from outside our church. And in the middle of the nine-week course, we're now showing a Dave Ramsey video where he talks about his own personal spiritual journey, how he surrendered his life to Christ, and then we're presenting the good news of the gospel. So everything we do, we, we want it to be tainted with an outreach flavor. Okay, our, our elders, what do we do with the, the, this elder team whose primary responsibility is to care for our church, to pray for people? You know, our elders are famous for their prayer ministry. We, we have seen uh, people healed physically. We've seen marriages we've restored. We've seen all sorts of miracles happen because of the prayer of our elders. Well, how, how do we capitalize on that for outreach? Well, one of the ideas we're flirting with right now, not sure if this is the one we'll use, but we're thinking about taking the elders on occasion to the town festivals. You know, the wine tasting festival, the pumpkin festival out in Sycamore. Set up a booth like their other booths and offer to pray for people who have crises in their lives. Why not? That's what we do. Elders pray. So you know, it's going to be like a kiss me booth, right? Except it's going to be, it's going to be a pray for me booth. We're, you know, we're, we, want, we want every aspect of our church to focus in some way on outsiders. I mean, today, many of you stood and reaffirmed your membership to this church. But do you realize that the church, listen, the church is the only organization on the planet that exists for the sake of its non-members? That's what we're all about. We're all about the people who are still on the outside looking in. And that brings me to a third mission-minded initiative and this is actually going to be a recasting of something we already do. Okay, three times a year we offer a wow weekend where we bring in a celebrity guest who's got a faith story to tell. And we encourage you, if you're a Christ follower, but you've got a friend who's not, a friend who doesn't go to church, bring them with you to a wow weekend and they're going to hear the good news about Jesus from the, the lips of some celebrity. Now, what we've discovered over time is that many of us don't take advantage of this opportunity. Oh, we come ourselves, but we don't bring friends. And so we've been looking at this and saying, well, you know, why is that? And one of the things we've concluded is that the very name itself is a bit misleading. You know, calling it a wow weekend. When you think about bringing an unchurched friend, how many of your unchurched friends want to be wowed? Okay, how many of them are thinking right now as you're sitting in church, gee, I wish I could be in church getting wowed? You got any friends like that? I don't. 
Okay? What, what are they thinking? In many cases, they're facing desperately hopeless situations. They've lost a job. Okay? Or they've lost someone in the, in the family recently. They've miscarried. Okay? Their parents are going through a divorce, one of your school chums. Right? What they need is hope. What they need is inspiration. And so we're still going to do three weekend outreaches a year, but instead of being wow weekends, we're going to make them inspiring stories weekends. Inspiring stories, because we feel like there are a lot of people out there who need some hope. In fact, just by calling them inspiring stories weekends, we hope immediately in your mind some people spring, spring to your imagination. Oh, I know somebody who could use that, who could use a little hope in their life right now. So our, our next Inspiring Stories weekend is the first weekend in November, and our guests, you know, we're no longer shooting just for celebrity status people with name recognition because we can't afford most of those people anyway. So quit asking us to bring Ben Zobrist here, okay? <laughs> but our guest that weekend is going to be Rebecca Gregory. And, and while, while there's no name recognition there, Rebecca has an incredible story to tell as a victim one of the victims of the Boston Marathon bombing, she threw her body over her son to protect him and got damage done to her leg. And after 17 surgeries and 65 procedures, they finally decided to just amputate the limb, take it off. And she has got an amazing faith story to tell, how her relationship with Jesus has made all the difference, given her hope. Do you know someone who needs hope in their life? I'll bet you do. I'll bet you know somebody who needs some inspiration, needs some uplift in their life. You know, invite them by saying, now nah, we're going to wow you. This Just invite them by saying, you know, three times a year at Christ Community Church, we try to do something for the community to lift the spirits of, pe of people who need hope. And I sense that could be you. You want to come with me? So this is what we're up to. Will you take advantage of these opportunities that God gives? Will you be mission-minded? This is going to require some boldness, some initiative, some courage on your part, just like taking the promised land was going to take some courage on the part of God's people thousands of years ago. In fact, I want you to see a repeating phrase in Joshua chapter 1, uh, one of the Bible study methods I've taught you is to look for repeating words or phrases. God's trying to get your attention. Well, if you've got your Bible open, look at the opening line of verse 6. Underline it. Be strong and courageous. Underline that. And then drop down to verse 7. Opening line, be strong and very courageous. <laughs> Now drop down to verse 9. You can underline the whole verse. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Drop down to the very last line of the chapter, end of verse 18. Only be strong and courageous. You get the idea? Be strong and courageous. Four times. See, God will give, listen, God will give us friends who will come to Christ this year, but he's waiting for us to boldly, courageously take, to take, to take the initiative. Be mission-minded. You get it? Good. Number two, be Bible-saturated. Be Bible-saturated. Go back to verse 8. This is one of my favorite verses in Scripture, memorized it years ago. Keep this book of the law, meaning the Bible, keep the Bible always on your lips. 
Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Anybody here interested in being prosperous and successful? Yeah, of course we all are. But, but you know, of course, that the, you know, the Bible, when it talks about prosperity and success, it's not just talking in material terms. When the Bible talks about prosperity and success, it's talking about every aspect of our lives, about our friendships being prosperous and successful, about our schoolwork, about our emotional health, our job satisfaction, our sense of life purpose, our relationship with God, our parenting, our achievement of personal goals, so what does Joshua 1.8 say is the key to all that? What's the key to experiencing prosperity and success? What's the key? God's word. The Bible. Be Bible-saturated. Now, there are two ways spoken of here in verse 8. You know, this is how you get Bible-saturated. First, you meditate on it day and night. Is that something you do? Okay, you, you take just a little bit of the Bible, you read a little bit, and you chew on it, and you think it over, and you come up with an application. I think this is what God's saying to me in this passage, and this is how I, I could apply it to my life. Okay, this is what's transformational. It's not having a Bible sitting on your shelf. It's not even reading the Bible on a daily basis. It's meditating on it, chewing on it till something comes that's going to change you just a little bit. This is how you become prosperous and successful. Came across an interesting quote from Bono the other day, front man for the rock band U2. Um, Bono happens to be a Christ follower. Here's what he said. He said, your nature is a hard thing to change. It takes time. I've heard of people who have life-changing, miraculous turnarounds. People set free from addiction after a single prayer. Relationships saved where both parties let go and let God. But it was not like that for me. For all of that, I was lost, I am found. It's probably more accurate to say I was really lost. I'm a little less so at the moment. And then a little less and a little less again. That to me is the spiritual life. It's the slow reworking and rebooting the computer at regular, regular intervals reading the small print of the service manual. What's he talking about? Yeah, Bible, regular reading the small print of the service manual. It slowly rebuilt me in a better image. It's taken years, though, and it's not over yet. Listen, friends, this is what our Bible-savvy reading schedule, this is what our Bible-savvy journal are all about. Are, are you one of the hundreds of people around Christ Community Church who's currently using these tools to saturate your life every day, every day with God's life-transforming word? I mean, the beginning of a new ministry season, the fall launch of a ministry season, is a good time to get started if you've not been a Bible reader, to pick up the Bible-savvy schedule and get going. It's a good time to reboot. If you started this and you gave up the habit somewhere along the way, it's a good time to get it going again. If you're a parent... I can't tell you how many times in the past year I've gotten emails or a conversation in a hallway around this place where moms and dads have said to me for the first time ever, we're gathering the family each day at the breakfast table or the dinner table or whenever, and we're reading the Bible together and talking about it. What could, be, what could possibly be a better habit to pass on to your kids than daily exposure to God's Word? And, and don't, don't forget the use of the Bible-savvy journal here as well. So you, you, you could get 
the hard copy, you could get it on your, your phone app and begin to jot down every day some insight, some application to your life. Now, a couple of caveats here. If you're going to get started with us, again, this is why we do this Joshua series now. We, we do a Bible-savvy series to back you up, to encourage you to get going in this reading program. And so every week of this series, we're going to cover a passage that you would have read the week before. But two caveats. One is this. As we start September, this series, uh, the Bible-savvy reading schedule has already had us in Joshua for a week and a half. So we, we start a little bit behind. If you're just beginning... But it's like 10 chapters in, and if you read two chapters a day this week, which takes about 15 minutes a day, two chapters a day, you'll be all caught up next week. And if you don't want to do that, just start with us at chapter 11, chapter 12. Here, here's the other caveat. Unfortunately, you know, every four months, a new Bible-savvy journal comes out, and unfortunately, the next one comes out in two weeks right in the middle of the Joshua study. So we know some of you are going to conclude, well, I'm not going to buy an old journal that's only got two weeks left in it. Okay, I'll just wait a couple of weeks. I'll buy the new journal and wait two weeks to start using it. Please don't do that. Start today. And to make it more tempting to start today, here's what we're going to do. At all four of our campuses, if you purchase a Bible-savvy journal, the new one today will give you a copy of the old one with a couple of weeks left in it. Okay, free, absolutely free. And if we run out of those, because we don't have too many left, but if we run out of them, we've made copies of the final pages uh, of this last journal so that you can follow along as we go through Joshua. We believe it's that important that you be Bible-saturated. It'll change your life. Now, one way to do that, Joshua 1.8, is by meditating on a little bit of the Bible, reading it every day. The other way to do it, okay, is also described in Joshua 1, verse 8. Let me read the opening verse to you. Keep this book of the law, the Bible, always on your lips. What does that mean? <laughs> means you're always talking about it. It means, listen, it means that you get into a group of people who are weekly discussing it, studying it, applying it to their lives, holding it, each other accountable to, to, to put it into practice. We currently have over 3,300 people, 3,300 people in community groups. So there is a community group for you. Okay, there are men's groups and women's groups. There are middle school groups and high school groups. There are children's groups. There are singles groups. There are couples groups. So we encourage you to get together with other people and discuss God's word on a daily basis. Keep it always on your lips. And if you're in a group, invite somebody to join you who's not yet in a group. This is so easy to do, friends. This past summer, Sue and I were hiking in the Tetons. And one night we, we decided to go on this little cruise that the lodge offered. You get on a boat with 30 people and you travel over to a small island where some wranglers have built a bonfire and they're cooking steaks and rainbow trout. And we said, yeah, we could do that. And so we're on this little boat ride over to the island one evening and the leader of the group, he says, hey, let's all just say where we're from. And so goes around the boat we're sitting in the front, and we hear people behind us say, you know, Baltimore and San Diego, and then somebody shouts out, St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm going, really? 
in the middle of Wyoming, okay, the Teton Mountains. So we made a beeline for this couple over dinner, and it turns out they've been to Christ Community Church a, a few times because they have friends here. And so when we got home from our trip, I emailed the guy, and I said, hey, by the way, every Wednesday morning, I meet with a group of buds, and we just read the Bible and apply it to our lives at a local coffee shop. Would you be interested? And he writes back, and he says, sure. That was it. Just sure. It's that easy. It's that easy. Just invite somebody to join your group. It may be someone from the outside, someone at work or at school. It, it, you know, it may be someone you meet in the lobby of one of our campuses after church today. As you ask them, hey, are you in a group yet? Because if you're not, we've got a group going. We'd love to have you be part of it. Be Bible-saturated. God has given us his word. The question is, will we take it? Will we take what God gives? Number three, be team-oriented. Be team-oriented. Now, I want to give you some historical background to the closing section of Joshua chapter 1. So some of you read it this past week. Some of you are going to be reading it now this, this coming week, and I want you to understand what's going on. The 12 tribes of Israel are perched on the eastern shore of the River Jordan, and they're looking across the river westward at the Promised Land. Okay, two and a half of the tribes, they come up with this great idea. They go to Joshua and they say, hey, how about if we just stay here, our two and a half tribes stay on the east side of the river, because there's plenty of land here, there's plenty of territory. In fact, and this is where they pull out their trump card, they go, before Moses died, we asked him, and he said, it's okay if we do this. So how about we stay here, and we don't go with the nine and a half tribes into the promised land to help them take their territory? So what is Joshua's response? Drop down to verse 14. Let me read just a couple of verses at Joshua 1. Joshua says to them, Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You're to help them until the Lord gives them rest as he's done for you. And until they too have taken possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. And after that you may go back and occupy your own land. And on it goes. What does Joshua say to the two and a half tribes who want to stay on the east side of the river and not help with the taking of the promised land? Joshua says, sorry guys, but we're a team. Okay, we're taking the promised land together. V victory depends on everybody participate, participating, everybody doing their part. Nobody sits this one out. Now, now, let me apply Joshua's pep talk here to Christ Community Church and the new ministry season that, that we're launching today. If this is your church, we need your participation. If this is your church, we need your participation. Let, let, let me conclude today by mentioning two final huge initiatives that won't be achieved unless everybody gets involved. Okay, these are team-oriented goals. And the first one has to do with our next campaign. Okay, this campaign actually got started almost two years ago, four months left in our next campaign. And our goal has been to raise $11 million over and above the regular offerings we take in every week that go to our general fund. 
So we're not cheating our general fund in any way because we've got to keep the lights on and the staff fed and so on and the programs of the church going. So this is over and above. We wanted to raise $11 million in two years for some very special projects. The most important one you've already heard about, getting our DeKalb campus into their own building. So that's been completed. But we've got some other projects that were earmarked with this $11 million. We've got a building project at the St. Charles campus. We've got a building project in mind for the Blackberry Creek campus. We've got all sorts of initiatives with our international impact partners. And we don't get to do that unless we raise the $11 million. So the question is, how are we doing? So to date, we have raised $8.5 million. And friends, that is just incredible. That means in the past year and a half, over and above our regular offerings, people have given $8.5 million. Incredible. In fact, here's another really cool statistic. Uh, our goal was to see 1,800 people participate in this campaign, individuals or family giving units. To date, we have 1,795 people who've made a contribution. So I want to know where the, the remaining five are. Yeah? <laughs> so just about 100% of our goal has been reached here. But as you can see from the chart, we got a gap here of $2.5 million that's got to come in over the next four months, or we've got to forfeit some very important projects that we believe God wants to give us. But we got to take it. We got to take it. And so let, let me just say, if you've been coming to the church and you've not yet made a commitment to the next campaign, would you consider giving a, a big, generous gift in the next four months? And, and if you're here and at some point you made a commitment, but for whatever reason you've not yet fulfilled your commitment, we're praying that you would follow through. Okay? And if you're here and you fulfilled your commitment, you gave and you, 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 know, you, you met the promise, and, but God has so blessed your life you could afford to give more, would you consider giving even over and above what you've already done so that we as a team, this is a goal that can't be reached on our own. And here, here's my hope for us as a church, that, that you guys who've been participating, when you start to see the pictures that we're going to be showing you over the next several weeks of people streaming into the DeKalb campus, when you DeKalbites celebrate on site what God is doing at your campus, you will say, and I was part of the team, the giving team that made that happen. Right now, there's one other big initiative that, that requires that we be team-oriented, and this is actually the biggest goal we have of the new ministry season. We're going to launch it in 2018, four months from now, and we're calling it the Year of the Volunteer. The year of the, this is not going to be a giving campaign, but it's going to be a major campaign, a serving campaign, because we have hundreds we, we have hundreds of important serving opportunities around here, and many of them are unfilled because we just, we just don't have the volunteers. There, there is land that we would love to take for Christ's kingdom, but we just don't have enough teammates yet to take it. I mean, we need more Kids World workers. We need more student ministry volunteers. We need more ushers and greeters. We need more community group leaders, more ministry administrators, more janitorial crew, you name it. Every campus has got a long list of volunteers we could use. There is a, is a role for you to play here. 
team-oriented. Now, maybe, maybe you've never started serving here yet because you're new to the place. And I would say, hey, once you're here for a month or two, go to a, a counter, a serving counter in the lobby of your campus and say, tell me about opportunities to serve. And we'll plug you in. You'll get started. Or, or maybe you're not serving around here because you're still exploring the faith and you're saying, hey, I'm not even a committed Christ follower yet. You know what? We have serving opportunities for people who are still explorers. So we'll find you a place to make this your, your home church even as you seek, even as you explore the Christian faith. So some of you are not serving because you're more, more mature believers and you've now gotten involved in Christian organizations outside our church and you, you've gotten involved in Christian schools and Bible studies other than our community groups and so And that's great. But may I remind you that we're your home team? So please don't stay on the east side of the River Jordan. Please help us take the promised land on the west side of the river. And, and maybe some of you are not serving. How about this? Maybe you're not serving because you figured out if I serve, that means I've got to be here every week. And you're thinking, oh, if I volunteer for Kids World, then I, you know, I just can't cut loose some weekend when we want to get away or what, you know? Let me just remind you that our invitation to serve comes from King Jesus, who gave his everything for us. He gave, and now he says, serve. Follow in my footsteps, serve. So this year we believe God has huge things in store for us. If we're mission-minded, Bible-saturated, team-oriented, I began today's sermon with a quote from Coach Lombardi. I want to close with a quote from another famous coach. He happened to be president of the United States. JFK, at the end of his inaugural address, he said some immortal words. You probably learned them in grade school. He said, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And I want to borrow JFK's words, and I want to close by saying today, my fellow Christ Community Church attenders, as we go into this new ministry season, ask not what your church can do for you. Ask what you can do for your church. Because if we all step it up and we give and we serve and we pray, there is no telling what God's going to do. He's got land he wants to give us. The question is, will we take it? Will we take it? Now we're going to close in a rousing song that just reminds us this is all for him. This is all for his glory. And as we do so, we're going to collect our gifts, our offering. And then our, our, our pastors at each campus are going to close in a word of prayer. So give from your heart, sing from your heart to King Jesus.